Vroom, vroom, beep, beep. Welcome to Pens on the Go. Today is November 13th. Tuesday, November 13th. And I'm driving to work. Hi, this is Albert. Um, let's see, it's been a few weeks since the last episode. It took me a little while to get ready for this one. It's because I read a book for it. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk about this book a little bit. The... Before I get into that, though, let's talk about the pens I have inked. Um, okay. Wait, wait, let's try again. Before I get into that, though, it's a bit of a rainy day. Yesterday it rained all day, and it rained a lot, too, so so the ground is really wet. Um, means I can be a little extra careful today. So maybe I'll be a little more distracted. We'll see. The, uh, it's so wet that yesterday I was backing up in the evening, and I, was, you know, there's a lot of glare and all that, and I didn't see well. And because it's dark, and I kind of didn't go straight off the driveway and drove into the ground a little bit into the dirt, and now I have this huge, nice ravine in my dirt where where I left the tracks in the what used to be grass, but alas, I have probably killed it. Anyway, so what pens do I have inked? Let's talk about that real quick. I have a uh, four, five different pens inked. One is an Opus 88 Coloro with a uh, Pilot Iro Shizuku Amaero. It's got a broad nib. It's pretty full. It's almost the rest of the Aero Shizuku ink I have. I have a small 15 millimeter bottle, and there's just a tiny bit left, maybe a millimeter if less than that. So I was using this one. I said, you know, what? I'm just gonna. It's taking a long time, and I kind of want to change and try something different for a little bit. So I'm just gonna push this back in the rotation and enjoy the ink for a long time. So there's that. There is. Oh boy, what else do I have? Oh yes, a Visconti Rembrandt with a stub nib, a 1.5 millimeter stub. And that has Diamine Moon Dust, which is a shimmer ink, a nice silvery shimmer ink. That's a neat one. Then there is... I have pen number three. It's just... Oh, I have a, a Lavender True Rider, Golden Tortoise is the color of that one. Um, neat pen. It's got blue ink. It's a cartridge because, oddly enough, that a converter, the Levenger converter, doesn't fit in that pen. I don't know why. I think that either there's something stuck at the end, or or they that model's a little different. I have no idea what it is with that one. That's a used pen I got. But yeah, I can't fit a cartridge in it or converter, so it's got a small cartridge in it. It's a Levenger cartridge. It's a Levenger cartridge, I think, and the ink is blue. And I'm assuming that it's it's like skies of blue or something, but I don't really know what it is. It's just a blue. Um, using that, I've been using that a lot. There's that's four pens, right? Three pens. Oh, I can't think of what my fourth pen is. I haven't been using it much. Whatever it is, my fifth pen, which I have been using. Do I want to go? I'm going to not go yet, because I want to go to that far left lane, and there's too much traffic to get into it. Um, Okay, this guy's turning. I'm just going to go for it. We'll figure it out. My four, Yeah, I can't remember what my fourth pen is. It's not something I've used much yet, and I'm looking forward to using it at some point. And I have used it. I just can't think of what it is. I'm sure I have. I must have. Oh, yes. It is a Pilot Kakuno. Uh, it's got a medium nib, which is incredibly fine for my taste normally, and it has a Colorverse ink, the Voyager 1 series pale blue dot. It's a very, very nice color. I'm enjoying this one. 
I haven't used it too much. The other final pen I inked last night. It's another Lavender True Rider. The color is cranberry. It's a nice bright red. I got. I also got this one used on eBay, and it's missing the the little metal ring and the cap, um, which still looks okay though, surprisingly. But yeah, so I inked it up last night. I said I can use a red ink, so I have this bright reddish ink. I think it's bright red. I haven't used it in a long time. It's a sample of Diamine Sunset. Maybe it's an orange, but I'm pretty sure it's a red. So I inked it up into. I put it into the converter. There wasn't enough in the sample bottle, so I used a syringe to put it into the converter. Pop the converter in the pen. Wait a little bit, tried writing, nothing was coming out, so I turned the converter to force something through. You know, turn the little knob, uh, a drop of ink came out. Oddly enough, the drop looked brown when I smushed it and smeared it to look at it. And when I started writing, it is not a diamond sunsetty color. Apparently, I never cleaned out that pen when I got it. And there's some old ink in there, and I think it's a black ink, is what I think I had. Because to me, it looks like it's writing like a black or dark even a dark dark purple or something so I think it's mostly black ink with little tiny bits of red that will eventually start coming through more so that's interesting I think I'm gonna use that pen today I want to see it change that should be fun um yeah so those are my five ink pens uh, how's that going cuz you know I normally like having just one or two two pens right maybe three um it's going okay for the most part I'm still using them sequentially I am not jumping around as much as I'd like to. I have been doing that some, definitely. And I, I think it's working fine. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, I was in the mood to ink something up again. So I said, let me try this. <laughs> and it's an interesting experiment because it did not go as expected. So anyway, let me tell you about this book I read. Because I stalled long enough. The book is called The Missing Ink by Philip Hensher. Um, it's a book about... What is it about? I guess... The history of penmanship? That might be the right way to talk about it. And it does talk about writing going, you know, briefly mentions writing going back to the early writing, but mostly it's focusing on Victorian and later writing. Um, and it's interesting. It's, it's sort of a little, just a, a trip around handwriting. And the reason I got this book is because I was curious about how, how writing had evolved and changed a little bit I guess um, you know like Spencerian writing what is that I've heard of Spencerian manuscript as a matter of fact I bought this book about Spencerian how to write Spencerian manuscript apparently it was written by Mr. Spencer the guy who invented Spencerian writing and I didn't really know what that was so I said let's find out um, and see what that is and is that what we're using today and what you know, what's different I don't know I don't get it so the book did help me understand that it didn't quite answer my questions. It required a little more research than that. Um, but I did learn some things. Spencerian writing, I think, was started around the 1830s or so by Mr. Spencer. I don't remember his name. And since I'm in the car, I'm not really going to start looking at notes. I'm sorry. The it was Maybe it was 1860s when it really took hold. The, Mr. Spencer taught writing... Um, because he enjoyed it, and he also saw it as a way to, interestingly enough, improve people, not just their handwriting, but their moral character. Um, handwriting was a way to, in a way, to meditate and enjoy nature. And you did this by practicing and getting perfect handwriting, and and writing beautifully and gracefully, and thus making you a better person. Probably get out of your alcoholic tendencies and your licentiousness and whatnot, right? All, all fixed through handwriting. It seems like that was actually 
at least part of the go. That and beautiful handwriting. And he he um what am I saying? And to to get the handwriting to be more used because he wanted people to use it a lot, he started schools. I think it started mainly in the Midwest to teach handwriting, and these really took off and became really popular. And a lot of people learned Spencerian writing, and this was really in the 1800s mostly, though it stuck around into the 1900s. At some point, there's other people that started teaching handwriting because they didn't like Spencerian so much because. It was a bit of a pain to do, honestly. Apparent. So here's Spencerian is Spencerian writing is based off copperplate, which is a, apparently a type of well, copperplate is a type of plates that you would use when you're printing, and you would etch onto the copperplate whatever it is you want to do, and then and you could print off that, and make many many copies of it. And so I'm not sure the exact techniques for doing copperplate writing or drawing or any of that. I don't know if you etch directly onto the copper or some other material and then transfer it or whatnot. Um, it's not that important. But with copper plate writing, the person wasn't actually writing on copper. They're they're carving the letters into it. So you, yeah, it would take their time, and you can make more fancy letters that way and whatnot. Um, and, for example, the logo of Coca-Cola, you know, the, the C with all the curls and all that, that is copper plate writing. Um, Spencerian borrowed a lot of that, and they wanted writing to be beautiful, so there's a lot of fancy curls and things like that to make it more ornamental. Um, doing that is hard. The way he taught writing was terrible in that, you know, everybody would sit in class and repeat the same thing over very carefully to the point where apparently you could watch a class of kids writing this and they would all pick up the pen at the same time and put it on the same time and everybody would do the same exact thing pretty much. Uh, it was a very tedious thing to learn. It sounds horrible, honestly. And they had kids learning to write cursive this way from the beginning even before they taught them, say, block letters or print letters. You know, so so for little kids, that must have been horrible, I imagine. Um, then later on came another form of writing. Like, gosh, I don't remember the name. I wish I did. Um, which was simpler. And the people that taught it were less interested in beautiful letters, but they'd rather have usable writing. Stuff that you could do more quickly, that was easier to teach. And there's one woman who taught the handwriting, and she seriously believed that you didn't want to start kids with cursive at the beginning. You kind of want them to just, especially little kids, kindergarten, that sort of age, you know, just start drawing shapes. Draw loopy loops, you know, draw flowers by making loops and draw circles and whatnot. And that would, little by little, lead to to penmanship, improving penmanship. And so the kids enjoy this more, you know, she encouraged them to stand up and do whatever they needed to do, you know, to some extent, I imagine. And so this is, um, shoot, I don't remember the name of this, but this kind of writing took hold really in the 1900s and became very popular and it was taught, Spencerian writing was still taught, and both were sort of competing. Spencerian writing was much slower and whatnot. Um, but they both took hold. Eventually, the easier to read one and easier to write one and learn took hold and became much more popular probably because of all those reasons and and it definitely won out um, so so that's sort of the history of the of cursive in in terms of what I want to figure out from it there's a lot more to it the book is interesting it, it teaches a lot of other stuff but it doesn't just teach it's also funny the guy's British and it definitely has a very British humor to it sometimes oops uh, should have not I should have slowed down and let this car in 
Okay, anyway. Too late now. Um, so, yeah, I, the, the guy's British, and his, he's got a very... That British witty humor that, that I don't know. It's it's fun to listen to read. I enjoyed the book a lot. I enjoyed his style. I found it more fun early on than later on. Later on, I f- maybe I just got used to it or something. But I just didn't find it as humorous. Um, but I mean, there is still humor and joke throughout. He also has some every every once in a while he has a chapter about um, called Witness, and it's somebody that he interviewed. Talking about their their relationship with handwriting, you know, how they learned it in school, what they do now, what they think of people based on their handwriting and whatnot. Um, and so that was interesting. That was fun because I was reading one one of the paragraphs. It was actually by a person that grew up in Miami Dade, Florida, where I grew up and learned writing in the seventies, just like me. So I was getting to see that, and it pretty well matched my recollection, though not perfectly. Um, obviously, the person didn't go to the same schools I did, but but it was still neat to see that because <laughs> you know this book written by a British person interviewing other people from all over the place, and here's a guy for, that grew up in Miami Dade. I assume it was a guy. I'm not actually sure about that. Um, so there was that. the it, it, The book does cover other stuff. It doesn't just talk about manus about penmanship and Spencerian writing and whatnot. It, it goes into Hitler's handwriting and the study of handwriting to figure out about people. I forget what it's called already. Um, some sort of ology. You know, where, like, if a person has really loopy letters, it means they're very loopy people. That, that sort of thing. That's not a, a real example, but that sort of thing. And it talks about, about a bunch about that. It talks about the, the invention of the big pen and how it really changed things a lot. And that was kind of interesting to read about. Uh, had a paragraph on fountain penning, uh, which is light but interesting. And had a chapter when, with his experience on buying a fountain pen when he decided he wanted to upgrade from his, I think, Lamy Safari. Um, so again, that was that was neat. And you know, his experience going to different retail stores and those were pretty funny chapters. I thought the way he wrote them. Oh no, I enjoyed the book. It's a good book, The Missing Ink by Philip Hensher. Um, it's relatively light read. It was like 250 pages. What else does it talk about? Because I'm getting kind of close to work and I probably need to stop in another couple minutes. Let me see. Those are the main things I remember, the main things I got out of the book. I, again, I can't look at my notes to tell you more. Um, uh, a thing about Spencerian writing, I, I did mention, I think, or, or I should have mentioned... I did buy a book at some point on Spencerian writing. I think it was a book written by Mr. Spencer. And um, it's a really thin book. I got it on Amazon, and I think it's a print-on-demand book from Amazon. And it's just a, a reprint of his book. Um, and it goes along with a workbook, so you can practice it and learn it. The I didn't get the workbook. I just got the book that teaches you the writing. Um... <sighs> I look at it and I sometimes do have trouble understanding what the letters are and that is an issue with the old Spencerian writing. It's not always easy to make out the old letters because they're more interested in beauty than form, than than re- reader, readability. I guess to some extent. I imagine if that's what you learn, you could read it. But um, I do find it hard to, to read uh, a little bit. The It really goes into detail about the height of the letters and the angles and like at the beginning of the book it explains 
how a circle has 360 degrees because you're going to need to know this sort of thing when you start practicing your writing, making sure you have things at the right angle and the right length and the right amount of curl and whatnot, I guess. So I, 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 I kind of started reading that book and said, oh, this is crazy. I'm not going <laughs> to... This is not something I want to learn. Um, it's a little too involved. I mean, and you know, if you do learn it, you get some really nice writing out of it, I guess. But I don't know. I, I have a book that I found at a thrift store a few years ago called Young Robinson Crusoe. Totally random, I know. And it is a book that was printed in the 18... I forget, copyright 18-something, 1880s, I think. 1880, maybe. Um, and what was interesting in it, to me, because I've never bothered reading the book. It didn't honestly didn't sound that interesting to me. Um, but the in the front, there's a dedication to the to the person that the book was given to and you know look i looked at it this morning or yesterday and it's oh yeah this is spencerian right now i could tell now i can see it based on what i what i've learned and so it's kind of neat to see an actual example of real spencerian writing being done in the 1800s i thought that was kind of fun what else um other stuff i learned which had never been obvious to me but it is interesting and and I think he kind of uses this example in the book. But uh, much like uh, accents, there's different styles of handwriting around the world. And, you know, when you see somebody else's handwriting from a different country, a lot of times what you're seeing is, is them writing where they're, you know, so, so to speak, accents. You know, just like, and just like as you travel around the world, you hear different accents, but, oh, you don't have an accent? I guess I'd always assume that, yeah, my handwriting is just normal handwriting, maybe messy, but just normal. Um, but in fact, different parts of the world where there's different school systems, they taught handwriting different and may have used different fonts. Um, apparently there's something in Germany that was used up until the time of Hitler, up until World War II, I guess, a, a style of handwriting. I don't remember what it was called. It was a German name, obviously. And it was really easy to write, but incredibly hard to read. And was there an example? The, I don't remember. I think there was an example in the book. But the, apparently, the, it's really hard to tell. Like, the only difference between, uh, say, an S and an N might be how slanted the letters are. So you just got to be able to see that. And and it may not be obvious. And when I looked at it, yeah, I couldn't read it at all. And I imagine some of it's just letter forms I'm not familiar with. And some of it is issues of similarity. But that, that was interesting. So apparently, there is different styles of handwriting, cursive, or script, or whatever it is. As you travel the world. And you know, this is ignoring different alphabets. It's just assuming everybody's using the same alphabet. You still have different types of uh, handwriting. Um, yeah. Another thing is, I noticed from reading this book that, yeah, my handwriting is pretty darn messy sometimes. Um, and I think it is especially, if I'm tired for whatever reason, then, like, say, not enough sleep, then my handwriting is messier. And I think it's because I'm just being less careful and probably speeding up a bit as I write. And so what I need to do is practice on writing slowly to make it more legible. Not necessarily, too, not necessarily even too slowly. Because I, I even speak too fast sometimes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so what I need to do is slow down on my writing and uh, so that I can write it legibly and more neatly. Um, or some neatly. And I don't think that's probably too hard to do. The trick is just to remember to keep doing that. And so I've been practicing it this weekend a little bit when I was writing to to focus on making the shapes of the letters clear 
and, and not rushing. And it tended to work pretty well, though once in a while you kind of lose control and speed up again and get messier. Um, obviously, that is a very much a learned skill. Okay, I think I will leave you here. That's it. Um, kind of close to work. I'm just waiting to get off the high. I'm on the off ramp now. Just waiting for the to get through this little interchange. And then, uh, oh, oh, here's a little bit of after. Um, what is this called? Here's a little bit of information for the future. I found out that my job where I'm at, we're changing to a different building. The lease is going to be up in this one, so we're moving. The new location is going to be right by the mall, right by my friendly local game store, which is neat. And um, also a shorter commute, probably a five or ten minutes shorter. I'm not sure. I'd say five, uh, which I guess will make this podcast shorter. <laughs> so, yep, there you go. That's it. I'm going to end it here. The thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, send me an email at pensonthego at gmail.com. Uh, thanks. Bye.